Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, students, make sure you get registered it will be life-changing for you, so make plans to go to Winterfest. Thank you for your giving this morning. Uh, I want to dive right into the Word. I'm excited about the message today. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled White Noise, um, and obviously we didn't even get to meet last week. Um, funny story, uh, we, we had a power outage, obviously, and hopefully that was communicated to you. Uh, there was a line close by that they had to dig it up, and it was a, it was a mess. Anyway, we didn't get power till that afternoon. Uh, and somebody was, uh, Eli, my son, which he's back in the sound booth right now, he uh, made a comment to somebody. He was like, hey, um, you know, what's going on? And somebody said, well, we've got a power outage. The power has been cut to the church. And Eli, being as literal as he is, he spoke up very literally and uh, kind of boldly, and he said, no, it hasn't. The power hasn't been cut to the church. That's a building. The power is connected to us, the people. You know, just very, like, emphatic. Like, the power hasn't been cut from the... How many are thankful the power has not been cut from the church? We have power. And so uh, we kicked off the series entitled White Noise, uh, and it was an online message only, and we, we talked about silencing the noise. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to you about silence your negative thoughts. That's what I want to talk to you about, silence your negative thoughts. Um, and I want to lay a, a little foundation, and then we're going to go a few places today um, that I'm excited about. Uh, but if you were to look up the word white noise, the phrase white noise, you would find this definition. Uh, it's also called white sound, uh, and it's any steady, unobtrusive sound or pattern of sounds recorded from nature or produced electronically and used to mask unwanted noise or feel a discomforting silence. Most of the time when we talk about or reference white noise, it's referenced in a positive way. Some of us utilize white noise to help us go to sleep. Others use it as background noise while they work. Some to simply block out noises that they don't want to hear. And it has been stated uh, and proven that white noise can sometimes improve sleep, enhance productivity, promote calmness, and alleviate stress and anxiety. In other words, there's a lot of positive that we can, we can glean from white noise. However, some studies show that a continual exposure to white noise, depending on the decibel level, that it can be damaging to our hearing. And this got me to thinking about how our lives are filled with so much noise that oftentimes our ability to hear what God is trying to say to us is, is becoming dull. So many things in the world that is fighting for our attention, so much noise that can distract us from the assignment that God has for us. And so today I want you to go ahead and hit a neighbor close by and tell them, silence your negative thoughts. Silence your negative thoughts. Um, this is important because for some people, the white noise in your life is... Uh, it, it's the negative thoughts. It's not even so much what's going on around you that's drowning out what God is doing in you. It's, it's what you're thinking about that is drowning out what God wants to do in you. And, and so let's just start here. When you talk to yourself, uh, am I the only one that talks to myself? Everybody talks to themselves, right? Y'all going to leave me up here all by myself? We all have uh, what we call self-talk. All throughout the day, we do talk to ourselves. Uh, and what, what we say to ourselves matters a whole lot. What we're thinking about, what, what are we... And when, I, when I'm talking about what we say to ourselves and what we talk to ourselves about, I'm not talking about like the normal, did I remember the milk? Or did I forget the kids again? Because the last time, that was just chaos, right? Like, I'm not talking about those kind of thoughts. I want us to go a little deeper than that. I'm talking about the ongoing self-talk, that stuff that you say to yourself over 
and over again in your mind. What, what are you saying in those conversations? What, what does your thought life actually look like? What, what does it sound like? Um, and, and if you're like a lot of people, unfortunately, you get stuck in what some call a negative loop. All right? Everybody say negative loop. You get stuck in a negative loop. You continue to think about things that are not helpful, but you think about things that are actually harmful. Um, and the only reason you would continue to think on things that are not helpful but harmful would be is if you fell into that negative loop. Negativity has become the white noise in your life. For example, if you're driving in traffic, uh, you, you may not think uh, if you're stuck in Lewisburg traffic at 5 p.m. on a Friday evening, if that's ever happened to you, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're in a negative loop in your own self-talk, in your own thought life, you probably don't say, oh God, thank you for all these wonderful people, all these wonderful, brilliant drivers uh, if you're in a negative loop, you're probably saying, these idiots need to get off the road, right? That's a negative loop t- type of thinking. That, that is a posture that, that you have taken on. If you're in, stuck in a negative loop, you wake up in the morning maybe with a thought that says, um, I've got so much to do today. And then you lay down that night and you think, there's so much I didn't get done today. How many's ever done that, right? You wake up, I got so much to do. You go to bed, man, I got I, I just so much I didn't get to. Because you get stuck in a negative loop. You think about money, and the thought becomes, uh, I'm never going to have enough. I'm always going to struggle. You think about relationships, and you think, I can't trust anyone. When you do something wrong, if you're like many people, you'll say something derogatory to yourself, like, I'm an idiot. I never learn. We are always talking to ourselves. Now, we don't always have this conversation out loud, but everybody talks to themselves throughout the day. And what you think about is incredibly important. And so the question is, is what do you say when you talk to yourself? Now, let's look at the scripture, Proverbs 4, verse number 23. Look at what the writer says here. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, be careful how you think Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Psychologists would call this the law of cognition. That's what they would call it. Uh, Essentially, what the law of cognition teaches is that what you think impacts what you believe, which impacts your strongest thoughts. Be careful How you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Dr. Paul David Tripp, author and pastor, he made this statement. He said, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Isn't that a powerful statement? No one talks to you more than you do. Listen, some of us, we are thinking and talking ourselves into a life that we hate. We are thinking ourselves into a life that we don't like. And listen to me. Don't get mad. Don't throw anything at me. It's not what they did to you. It's it's not what they didn't do for you. It's not what happened to you. Many times, our life, listen, all the time, our life will move in the direction of our thought life. That what we think about consistently is what we become. That our life is framed by our thought life. Because what we think about the most, that, that is what drives our life. How many believe that we need to pay attention to what we think about every single day? Anybody believe that today? I believe that we need to pay attention to what we think about. Now watch this. Um, how many of you would agree that the world has become more negative over the last few years? Right? Right? The world has, has become much more, ne- if you don't believe me, spend an hour scrolling social media. Just, uh, wait, 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 wait. Not even an hour. Take five minutes. Some of y'all know, Pastor, five seconds, right? As soon as you open it, you, you, you understand. The world has become more negative. 
um, chronic neg negativity. It has become an epidemic that has poisoned people's mental health. We hear more now than we ever heard about mental health. And it's all because of negativity. Negativity is what drives so many people. And I know this sounds, man, Pastor, this is such a practical message. I mean, after Friday night and you preaching all that deep stuff, this sounds way too practical. Listen, this is not a practical problem. Our thought of that is a spiritual problem. It, it's not just, you know, do better. It's a spiritual problem. What we think about matters. And so I want to make a statement today, and I'm going to keep coming back to this statement over and over. Here's the statement. Your thoughts have incredible power. Your thoughts have incredible power. Now, I want to add a second statement to that. You have incredible power over your thoughts. So put those together. My thoughts have incredible power. We all believe that's true. A secondary statement to that is that I have incredible power over my thoughts. My thoughts are powerful, but I have power over my thoughts. So again, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The good news is, is that you and I do not have to be a victim to negative thoughts, that by the power of God, we can choose what we think about, how much we think about it, how many we can change what we think about. We can change the direction of our life by choosing what we think about. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Very important. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. When it says flesh, that, that is the sinful desires, okay? Sinful desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Now, if you are always negative and you're always frustrated, listen, don't get mad at the preacher. Uh, listen, I'm just giving you the truth. If you're always negative and you're always frustrated, it's because you are living according to the flesh. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Those who live according to the Spirit, they enjoy life and peace. So it's connected to people, uh, what, what, what is governing their minds. Is it your flesh and those desires, or is it the Holy Spirit? If the flesh is governing your mind, what's the result? I'm going to have death and darkness and destruction. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be negative. But if I'm living and, and being governed by the Holy Spirit, the result of that is life and peace. I said it in the first service. I want to say it again. How in the world can you be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and be negative 24-7? How is that even possible? If I am in relationship with Jesus and I am following him, there is no way I can live every day frustrated and negative unless I am being governed by the flesh. Because if I am being governed, if my mind is being governed by the Holy Spirit, it will result in both life and in peace. So today, if you find yourself broken, broken hurting, discouraged, any of those things, um, Maybe it's because you're thinking on things pertaining to the world instead of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so in this message, I, I want to help you do a couple things. I want to help you identify maybe the area of your life that is keeping you in that negative loop, but also through the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit, want to help us break that cycle so that we can live the life God has for us. Now, when it comes to negativity at its root, we need to understand that we all have what's called a negativity bias. In other words, we are biased towards that which is negative. Neuroscience also shows us that uh, negative events, uh, traumatic events, things that you don't want to happen, uh, things you don't want to experience, those things imprint on our brains faster and they actually linger longer than positive events. 
And I want to prove this to you real quick. What do you think spreads faster on social media, something positive or something negative? Come on, y'all, smile real big. You know I'm preaching the truth right here. You know that positive stuff does not spread fast. Negative stuff spreads fast. Um, on the news apps, which stories get more clicks, the negative ones or the positive ones? The negative ones do. The answer is the negative ones. Uh, they say things like, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Like, that's what we want to run with. Uh, it's the negative things. Um, and, and, and I'll show you how it works in your life. And let's just say you have, this week, you have a presentation to give at work. Here's a great example. You've got a presentation to give at your place of employment, and you've worked hard, you've stressed out over it, uh, you've, you've, you've done your due diligence, you've prepared, and the day finally arrives, it's time to go give the presentation to your company in front of all your peers, and you go, and you, you pitch this uh, presentation, and you feel like, man, I killed it, that was awesome, and, and you, you finish it up, and everybody, you've got five or six people lined up waiting to talk to you, and they're saying, man, that was the best presentation I've ever heard in my life. You should give the presentation every time we have a presentation. You're amazing. You're, you're, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you got five or six people lined up to tell you how amazing it was. How many know that's awesome, right? We love that when it happens. But at, at the end of those five or six people telling you how amazing that presentation was, if you have one who comes up at the end of that and they say that's the worst presentation I can't even believe they keep you employed. That was terrible. Such a bad, poor, what a poor job you did. You, you, you should go pray about that. Listen, what are we taking home with us? Are we going to take home the five or six people that complimented us, or are we going to take home that one negative comment, which one sticks? And if you're like most people in the world, the one thing you take home is not the 99% that said that was amazing. What we take home is the one who said that was terrible. Because negative events, they, they imprint on our brain quicker and they remain longer than positive events in our life. And so um, the same is true with everyday life. And we, this is something that we have to get under control, and we, we can uh, create atmospheres at work or in our home of negativity and frustration, or we, we can create atmospheres of positivity, encouragement, and the presence of God. And I want to encourage you, let's create some environments that are not filled with frustration and negativity. Let's create some environments that are filled with the presence of God, the peace of God, encouragement, joy. How many want to do that in 2024? Anybody want to create that in your home? It can be done. It can be done. Um, listen, if, if we don't get this under control with negativity, it sends us, when, when something negative happens, we automatically go into fight or flight. When something, we immediately, and, and, and that's not a bad thing. Okay, God designed us when something negative happens, our blood re releases cortisol. We, we know that happens immediately, and it's a good thing. It can help you lock in. It can help you be focused. Uh, the problem is, is that when you are in a constant state of that, it becomes what was good for a moment is now bad for you. And it, it, it becomes the reason why people have mental health issues. They're filled with anxiety and all of these things. And that's why Paul said, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. And so a lot of us, because we watch the news, and we know that the, the news is going to lead with what? Negativity. We're going to scroll social media and what sticks out on social media, we don't usually have conversations with people after we've scrolled social media about, did you see this positive thing? What do we see? We see all the negative thing. Did you see what so-and-so posted today? They must be really mad. Did you see that comment? We talk about the negative. The news stations, the TV shows, the social media, it's all creating negative neural pathways. And what that means is, by negative neural pathways, is, is that what you think about once becomes easier to think about again. It becomes a habit. It becomes something that you are consistently doing. 
And so when negativity becomes a habit in your life, you start living with a constant frustration of everything is going to get worse. I'm never going to be happy. My marriage is never going to get better. Life stinks. I can't trust anyone. Everyone's out to get me. The odds are always stacked against me. All Christians are like this. Y'all know some people like that, and they live in your house, don't they? Don't look at them right now. Don't look at them right now. Your mental health becomes bad. You start to believe that nothing can happen for you. Everything is bad. I'll never accomplish anything. I'm never going to be happy. No one cares about me. And so negativity becomes the default posture of your life. You filter everything in your life through thoughts of negativity. The mind governed by the flesh is death. And so your thoughts do have incredible power over the direction of your life. So what I want to do, I want to take a few minutes, and I'm going to give you four main categories of negativity. Four main categories. And what I want you to do is to, now if you're one of those positive people, you always smile and everything is rainbows, unicorns, and blessing. Praise God for you. Can we just praise God for all the positive people? Can we do that real quick before this gets very difficult? Four areas of, of negativity I want you to identify. And let me just go ahead and say up front, you're probably going to find one or two categories and it's going to hit home. If, if you're like, all four are you, we're going to get you in the altar and cast all the devils out. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Y'all not even smiling. Y'all ain't playing. Y'all ready? Like, let's, let's go, Pastor. Let's go. All right, area number one is cynicism. Cynicism. What is this? Cynicism is a general distrust for people and their motives. It's when you live with, I don't trust people. They are going to take advantage of me. They're out for themselves. All people are this way. No matter what I do, they're only looking out for their interests. No one's generous. No one's benevolent. I, I, I'm trustworthy, but they're not. That's cynicism. I don't trust people. Side note, I'm going to go ahead and give you this. We're already in the deep end of the pool, so might as well give it to you. Cynicism is generally a reflection of how you feel about yourself. I hate to say this, but when you distrust um, the motives of others, a lot of times it's because you don't trust your own motives. I, I could spend some time there, but i got to keep the mes message positive, so I'll let another preacher deal with that part of it. Cynicism, all right? That's category number one. I just don't trust anybody. Second category is negative filtering. Negative filtering. This is just seeing what's wrong. It's like you can't help yourself. You only see what's wrong in every situation. I can't get out of my own way. I just see. I've got 25 things that are perfect in my life. They're wonderful. I got a great husband, great kids, great job, got this, got a great wife, whatever it is. I got a list of great things, but you only focus on what, what's wrong. You overlook stuff that's right to find what's wrong. It's like you can't get out of your own way. It's, it's also assuming the worst outcomes. Your, your kids are late getting home, and you immediately go to the worst place uh, in your mind. Well, they must have been in a car wreck. Or, you know, when you, when you have negative filtering, you text someone, your friend of you, you text them, and because they haven't responded in 22 minutes, you think, oh my goodness, I've offended them. Negative filtering. Your mind goes to the worst place. You, you think something's wrong immediately. You jump to the wrong conclusions because of the negative filtering in your life. You go on vacation and all you talk about was what was wrong with the vacation. You go to a nice restaurant and all you talk about was the one thing there you didn't like. Let's take it a little where, where, where we live. You go to church. There was a hundred things right, but what do you talk about? The one thing you didn't like. The one thing that you didn't agree with. One thing stood out. And it wasn't, even though you got a whole list of positives, you will overlook all of them to point out what's wrong. It's called negative filtering. Finding what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. The third category is absolute thinking. 
This is, these, these are when you have polarizing thoughts. Um, it's kind of the all or nothing, black or white. It is what it is. And it's, it, it, you know, it's just the way you process everything. If a man hurts you, then all men are bad. If, if a woman lies to you, all women are liars. A Republican does this, all Republicans are. All Democrats are. I got to, you know, got to hit all the parties, right? If not, I'll have three emails in the morning. Everybody is this way. One person betrayed you, and now every, no one, no one in the world, eight billion people, no one's trustworthy. Negative, filtering, absolute thinking. Have to go back a little ways, but I do remember a time. I do remember a time. I got to go back a little ways, but I remember a time when you could actually have a disagreement with an individual and not lose the relationship. Everything is so polarizing now that if you have a disagreement with an individual, we throw the whole thing out. There used to be a time when you could actually agree to disagree and keep the relationship. I don't know about you, but I miss those times. Because now we, we are so programmed to be right. And I, I just got to make this comment. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're righteous. Absolute thinking. The fourth category is blaming. This is believing that you are always a victim. The reason you are where you are is because someone got in your way. Someone stopped you. They took your joy. They took your peace. They took your value. You're a victim of life. You're a victim of circumstances. I can't be this because they stopped me. I can't have this because they won't let me. I feel this way because so-and-so did this. I can't have peace because people get on my nerves. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm going to blame. And so whether we're in, we're, we're in cynicism, negative filtering, a- absolute thinking, or blaming, whatever the category of negativity The question becomes, if I'm stuck in a cycle of a negative loop, and I'm frustrated, and I'm constantly negative, the question becomes, can I change? Can I change from being negative to being positive? Can I change that? And I want to answer that question real quick, because the answer to that question is, yes, you can change, but changing from being negative to being positive is not easy, and you have to be intentional. In other words, hit your neighbor and say, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. You're going to have to be intentional to change from being negative to positive. And and a great way to illustrate this is uh, a study. I can't remember exactly who did the study, so don't ask me who did it. But they did a study about is it possible for a person to change from positive to negative or negative to positive. And so the study was is that they took two groups of people, separated the two groups, and then introduced to them this new surgical procedure that they would be doing. So they went to group one, and they told group one, we have this new surgical procedure that we're going to do. And it has a 70% success rate. That's all they told them. Do you think it's a good surgery or a bad surgery? And everybody in group one said, that's a good surgery. 70% success rate is good. So they left that group, went over to the second group, same information presented differently. They went to the second group and said, here's the new surgical procedure, but it has a 30% chance of failure. Do you think it's a good surgery or a bad surgery? All these people, because of the way it's presented, 30% chance of failure. That's a bad surgery. So same information All of these people, that's a great surgery. All of these people, that's a terrible surgery. All right? Same information, just the way it's presented. They went back to the people who had originally said, this is a great surgery. And they said, okay, we need to fill you in. We know you said it's a good surgery, but we want you to know there is a 30% chance of failure. Do you still feel like it's a good surgery? Or do you feel it's a bad surgery? And the majority of the positive group said now, oh, that's a bad surgery. Don't do it. 
The 30% over here that originally that was told 30% failure, they all said that's a bad surgery. When they, were, they came back to this group and they said, hey, we just want, before we go forward, make, make sure, we do want you to know there is a 70% chance that it'll be successful. The people that originally said it's a bad surgery, guess what happened? Because that information was presented to them first, even after they got the information, there's a 70% chance it'll succeed. They did not change their position. They did not change their position. You say, well, pastor, what, what, what's the point? This study proves that you can change your perspective, but to change from negative to positive, to positive is not natural and it is not accidental which means that we've got to be intentional and it's going to take a little work to leave a negative cycle and start operating uh, from a place of positivity. But I believe today, I've been teaching for a little while, but now I need to preach. I believe that with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the blood of Jesus, that no matter how long I've been stuck in a season of frustration and negativity, that one word from God can speak to my heart and I can rise above the negativity in my life, rise above the frustration, and be a source of encouragement to the people around me. It is possible, but I'm going to have to work on that. I'm going to have to be intentional for that to happen. I'm going to look at a powerful illustration from the Word of God involving King David, because I believe he shows us that what we are to do when we are hit by or we're blindsided by an avalanche of, of negativity um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to give you the context. Uh, for David and his men, this is a really bad day. Uh, it was worse than you can possibly imagine. However bad your week was this week, it was not as bad as what David experienced in this story. David and his troops had just come home from battle, and they tragically discovered that the enemy had came in, burned their homes, kidnapped their wives and their children. And not only that, uh, David thought it can't get any worse than, than what we're experiencing right now, but it got worse because the Bible tells us that David's men were now thinking about stoning him for everything that had happened. We pick up the story in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3. It says, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, one of them from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Some of you may feel like David felt that day. You're hurting, you're in pain, you've got anxiety, you've got fear. The Bible says they wept until they had no strength to weep. David is understandably distressed. He's stressing out about what's happening. And the Bible says in the middle of this negativity that David encouraged himself in the Lord. In the middle of this avalanche of negativity, David found strength in the presence of God. I want to tell you, regardless of how negative circumstances may, may, may be in your life, you can find strength in the presence of God. The King James Version's translation translates this, is that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of you need to get better at encouraging yourself in the Lord because it won't be every day that you got someone there to lift you up, to speak a word of encouragement, but how many know we're anointed by the Holy Spirit? We got the word in our heart, and if we need to, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. I love the fact that in the middle of all this negativity, that David found strength from the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And listen, a lot of times the negativity that, that we're facing, the negativity that we're living with, has become nothing more than the white noise that is preventing us from hearing God and also preventing us from accomplishing the assignment God has given us. Listen, every person under the sound of my voice, you have an assignment from God. Something God has told you to do, something God has told you to accomplish. And if people can't talk you out of it, how many know you can talk yourself out of it? 
that our own negativity can keep us from putting one foot in front of the other to do everything God has called us to do. It's time for you to encourage yourself in the Lord the same way that David did. You say, well, pastor, how did he do that? I mean, what did he say to himself? We're not told that in Scripture. We don't know exactly what David prayed. We don't know exactly what David did. But we can go and read other accounts of where David was stressed out, where he was stuck in negativity, and some of the things that David said. Psalm 103 is a great example of that, starting in verse 1, when David said, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forgive not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. And in Psalm 103, what David was doing, he was commanding his soul to give God praise. He was commanding his soul to worship God. Sometimes when you don't feel like it, sometimes when life is not going the way you want it to go, you got to command yourself to praise him. You got to command yourself to worship him. You got to command yourself not to fall into the trap of negativity. If you believe that this morning, go ahead and give Jesus a praise in the house today. You got to command yourself to do that. You drop down a few verses in the same chapter in Psalm 103 verse 8. He says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Anybody ever heard that? Are you sure you've heard that one? David's saying very clearly, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he abounds in love. Psalm 86, 15, he says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger, and rich in love. David wasn't very creative. He says the same thing over and over and over. I, have, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Like when it comes to art and creativity, I can draw you the best stick man you've ever seen. Like I, it's just not my thing. I'm not creative. But I identify with it. He ain't creative either. I mean, all he says over and over when he's discouraged, when he's frustrated, when he's in, a, in the pit, when he's, when he's struggling, over it, God's compassionate. He's slow to anger. You know, he, he, he's rich in love. Over and over and over again, we see David saying the same thing. And what I find interesting about it is that not only is David not creative, he didn't even come up with that. He was copying God. He plagiarized God. God said, first of all, in Exodus 34, he said, I'm gracious, I'm compassionate, I'm slow to anger, and I'm rich in love. When David didn't know how to encourage himself, he just began speaking to God what God had said about himself. You say, what, what, what's the point, Pastor? What's the point with that? The, the, the cool thing is, is that when David was in a tough place, he, he didn't have to go search for a, so many people, they crack me up. They're in a tough, tough spot in their life. They don't know what, what to do, what direction to go. And you know what people do? I just need a word. I just need a word. Ah, if God could give me a word, I'll, I'll know what to do. Listen, baby, if you've been meditating on the word of God, if you've been hiding the word down in your heart, when you get in a negative spot, you don't have to go looking for a word because you've got the word hid in your heart. David had that word, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. He had that word hid in his heart. And when, it, when things got tough, he began to speak back to God what God had said over, over, over himself, about himself. Some of us need to be more like a cow. And I don't mean eat more chicken. You say, what, what do you mean, be like a cow? A cow does something called ruminating. I, I, I taught this years ago. Ruminating is, a, a cow does this. They will eat the grass, and what they do when they take a bite, they chew it, and they chew it, and they chew it, then they swallow it. Then they throw it back up, 
into their mouth blessings. And they chew it, and they chew it, and they chew it. Some of you have been fasting seven days after this story. You're going to fast another seven. And then they swallow what they threw up into their mouth. They swallow that back down. It's called ruminating. And check this out. I want to show you this. Be more, hit your neighbor and say, be like a cow. It's so good because you say, well, why would a cow chew, 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 swallow, throw it up, chew, 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 swallow? The reason they do that is to get every bit of nutrition out of the grass, every bit of the nutrition out of it. That is to ruminate. The Bible doesn't tell us to ruminate. The Bible tells us to meditate. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament translated as meditate, do you know what the word is? Ruminate. Which means that to meditate on the Word of God means to chew, to enjoy, to get every bit of the spiritual nutrition you can get from the Word of God over and over and over again. And that's why when you've been meditating or ruminating, like that's a cool story, but how many know it's a little bit disgusting? what the cow does, disgusting. Let's just call it what it is. But when we chew on the word of God and we meditate on the word of God and we get every bit of the spiritual nutrition out of the word of God, when we get in a dark place, we're not gonna be filled with anxiety and worry. Why? Because I don't have to search for a word. I've been meditating on the word. I know he is with me in a dark place. He's with me in, in, a, in a great place. It doesn't matter where I am. God is with me because I have been meditating on his word day and night. So much different than, oh, I'm in a bad spot, I need a word. If you've been meditating on his word, if you've been ruminating on his word, when you get in that tough place, you'll be prepared. You gotta find yourself a word from God and get that word in your heart, and every time you get yourself in a tough situation or negative loop, you begin meditating on that word, a word like Romans 15, verse 13. It says, may the, hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're like, God, I, I need hope. He is a God of hope. I need joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I need peace. The peace of God will surpass all your understanding. Some of you right now, what you need to do, you've been on a seven-day fast. Some of you did a partial. Some of you did a Daniel. Some of you did a full. Some of you fasted a little bit and then fell off the wagon. Then you got back on it, and then you fell off the wagon again. It was a struggle. You were on a struggle bus this past week. But I, I, and I, that's not a judgment. I'm, I'm saying that for some of you, a food fast is great. It's what you needed. But I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to challenge some people in the room today that what you needed was not just a food fast. Some of you need to take seven days and do a negativity fast. For seven days, I'm not going to meditate on anything negative. I'm not going to talk about anything negative, and I'm not going to complain about anything for seven days. How many believe that your life would look a little bit different in seven days if you took seven days to complain about nothing or think about anything negative? Come on, put a little jar in your house, and anytime somebody says something negative, all right, five bucks. Some of y'all, that jar, you'd be able to go to Hawaii next week. If you had to give five bucks every time you were negative, you'd raise money real quick. Go on a negativity fast. Listen, some of you, and I, I don't mean this for everybody, but there are some people that do not need to watch the news. Because every time you watch it, when it goes off, you are in a negative mood, talking about negative things. It controls your mood, it controls your mindset. Some of you do not need a social media handle at all because you can't do it without becoming negative, comparing your life to their life, and it, it puts you in a funk. So you don't need it. Fast the negativity. Your words are incredibly, and your thoughts are incredibly powerful, but you have power over your thoughts. As the worship team comes, um, to close it out, I gave you those four categories of negativity, and 
again, if, if you identify with one or two of those areas, that, that's great. I think as I was prepping the message, obviously, I, I saw areas that, you know, I'm negative, need to fix that. Um, if, you, if you're just every bit of it hit you, again, we're going to cast it out today. I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all look so mad out there. You may hit all four, but how many of you can make a decision today to stop that nonsense? You can. You can, you can stop that. Non- it's going to take some work and intentionality. So what I did is I listed the four categories, and we got some declarations that we're going to do together. Can we do some declarations together? All right, I want you to stand up. As you stand, let's give Jesus a praise right here. I think it would be a good place. I didn't win any friends today. I know that. I get it. But we're going to make these declarations together. And it doesn't matter what category. I want everybody to do all four. I I think even if you're doing good and you're the person that it's rainbows, unicorns, and you float around all the time, right? You float around all the time. That's, you know, cool. We still want you to do the declaration. So here we go. Uh, Cynicism is the first one. And on the count of three, we're going to begin not with cynicism. We're going to begin with God's help. I want everybody to declare these out loud, and let's do it by faith. Can we do it by faith? All right. One, two, three, go. With God's help, I will get rid of all bitterness and skepticism. I choose to believe the best about others and be kind, compassionate, and loving. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgiven me. Can we give Jesus a praise right there? We're making a declaration. Negative filtering. One, two, three, go. God, by your power, I take every thought captive and make obedient to the truth of Christ. Because you are good, I choose to think on Give him some praise right there. I just wanted to hear you guys for a minute. Y'all sounding good. We got to get a little bit louder on absolute thinking, all right? One, two, three, go. As Jesus loved and accepted me, I will love and accept others. Rather than always being right, I am called to always be loving. Rather than just making a point, I choose to make a difference. In humility, I choose to love others above myself. Give him some praise right there. Now blaming all the victims in the room better get loud. I'm having way too much fun. Somebody needs to take me out of here. All right, one, two, three, go. God has given me a life and mind of my own. By His grace, I will own my choices and choose God's best for me. I believe I have been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do today. In Christ, I will overcome. One more praise, if you believe it. We are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The key is getting our mind transformed so that we can prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. I want you to bow your heads, and maybe even right there where you are, I want you to lift your hands. I want to declare just this prayer over our church today. Just get in a in a posture to receive what God has for you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would reveal to all of us the areas in which we are most vulnerable. God, we ask that you would show us, that you would help us to own it, to repent of it, and to turn to your word so that our minds can be renewed. Father, I ask you to heal us and to change us to help us think on that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is excellent, that which is admirable and worthy of praise. Help us to be a voice of hope and life and point people to the goodness of Jesus. I pray over this house that every spirit that is negative, that is pulling the people of God down, 
I pray that it break today and go today in the name of Jesus, that we are set free, we are healed, and we are renewed. As you continue to pray right there with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask the prayer team, you can begin to get in place. And my compass directors, you can get in place. Those that will help me with salvation over these next couple of moments. But just stay there in a position of prayer. I want to speak to people that are in the room today. And you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to make things right with God. I need to make some things right with God. I'm not where I need to be. I need to be saved. I want to do that today. If that is you, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I I need to make things right with God today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Would you throw it up and say, that's me. I, I want to be saved. I need to be made new. I need to be born again. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Give you just a minute. Anyone at all? Our prayer team is in place. Our worship team is going to come on out right now. We're going to go right into this song as soon as I finish praying. They're going to begin singing. Listen, these altars are a powerful time for you to have God move in your life. I was met by Donnie Boggs early this morning out in the, right when I came in, the auditorium doors. And he said, uh, I had gotten news that God had touched him. He had a cancer diagnosis several uh, months ago. And we've been praying and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I got the victory. And he said, it happened right up there. He was pointing to this altar because he just got report back that he is totally cancer free. God healed his body. These altars, listen, they're open. And, and like we, whatever you need God to do, it's available. If you need set free, it's available. If you need healed, it's available. If you need to be saved, you didn't respond to the altar call of raising your hand. You can come up, and I promise you, anybody that's up here right now can lead you in a prayer to meet Jesus, to repent of your sins, and to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So, Father, I pray over this prayer time and this worship time right now, God, that needs would be met, lives would be changed, and Jesus, you would be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.